0: As we unpack scripture this morning, I want to kind of set the stage just a little bit. The bulk of our passages will be in Luke chapter 4 and Isaiah 61. In Luke 4, it's an amazing transition in the life of Jesus. Jesus begins his earthly ministry in Luke 4. And he does so after he was baptized by John the Baptist. And as the Lord, the Father, declared over him, this is... My son, who I'm well pleased, Uh, Jesus was uh, led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where he was tempted for 40 days uh, by Satan, and praise be to God, uh, Satan had no hold on him. And Jesus Christ walked through that wilderness time with the Spirit of God in full perfection. And it's here in Luke 4 that we see Jesus begin to uh, share with the world his ministry, and just like he had often done, did before, he goes into the synagogue, and the scroll was handled, handed to him, and he opens the scroll, and he turns to Isaiah 61. And so the words that he speaks were written 750 years before his birth. But at the end of his time in the word there in Isaiah 61, he, he declares over the people. That the words that were prophesied by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before have been fulfilled in your hearing. Meaning that Jesus Christ has fulfilled every word that is mentioned here. And what was it that he spoke to the people that day? What is it that we are reminded of based on the finished work of Christ that he has spoken over us today? And there are certain areas of freedom that I want us to just process through as a church family. Uh, to, to focus on, to examine our hearts before God and before one another in Christ, these particular freedoms. The first freedom that we have in Christ is we are free to be healed. Free to be healed. Listen to what Jesus spoke in Isaiah 61, first per, part of verse 1, as he shared in Luke 4. These are the words that he shared coming back from Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. That word broken hearted uh, means the, those who are grieving. You know, grief is, is a fact of life, unfortunately. Uh, grief uh, doesn't heal because time. I believe grief is healed because of Jesus Christ. Uh, all of us grieve in some way when we think about the very core of grief. Uh, Grief is uh, the reality that things aren't the way they're supposed to be, right? And so some of us have found grief within a relationship or grief within uh, a medical condition or uh, something that's happening emotionally or or mentally. Uh, but, But grief is a reminder that things aren't the way they are supposed to be. And Jesus says that I have given you freedom to be healed. And this isn't the first time that we hear about healing in Scripture. Healing is all throughout Scripture. In fact, the psalmist would write about this oftentimes. In Psalm 147, verse 3, the Scripture says, He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. That means God, and only God, has the ability to take the pieces of shattered life, shattered mind, shattered emotions, shattered relationships, and, and as we see in Christ, he begins to put those back together. He begins to mend those back together. So much so that the psalmist says in Psalm 94, verse 19, that when the cares of my heart are many, have you been there before? Where there are many, that you're all over the place. He says, your consolations cheer my soul. The word consolations talks about comfort. And God has given us in Christ the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And so that even in the midst of our grieving, it is the Holy Spirit that gives us comfort, that gives us healing. Now, you may be in a situation like I have myself where you've, you've prayed and asked God to heal in certain ways and for whatever reason, that doesn't work out, right? This is not about prosperity gospel. This is about the ultimate healing that we get in Christ, knowing and trusting that though we may not have complete healing in the way that we want in this life, we know by the grace of God, we will have full healing in the life to come. But in the midst of this journey of life, that where we have asked for complete healing based on our perspective, I think God has promised us something even greater. We see this in the life of the Apostle Paul. As the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 8 through 10 says this, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So there's an element that Paul has. We don't know exactly what it is. Some would say it's poor eyesight. Some would be, uh, you know, different things. We don't know exactly what it is, but we do know that he was in a place of brokenness, a place of grieving, and he pleads with the Lord uh, three times to have that removed. And then the scripture says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so, part of the freedom that we have in Christ when it comes to healing is, is a reminder that God's grace is sufficient. And so, as we enter into our first time of response to the Lord, as you think about your life today and you think about those places that are broken, if it be relationship or emotion or uh, mental things, whatever it is, and you've gone to the Lord and you sought the Lord and and maybe he hasn't brought the healing that you desire. Are you content with knowing that God's grace is sufficient? Or maybe you're here today and and there is something that that you recognize is broken in your life and, and you have tried and went to everything else but the Lord himself. As we spend time in personal time of prayer and just praying to God and asking God to intervene in our hearts and our minds this morning, will you be honest with him today when it comes to healing in life? Again, are you looking in all the wrong places instead of going to the Lord himself? Or maybe you're here and you you have been so faithful to the Lord. And you have, like Paul, pleaded, pleaded that something would be healed in a way that you desired and for whatever reason God has withheld held that type of healing but but the promise is still true that God's grace is sufficient maybe that is where the greatest healing needs to happen in our life today to know that God's grace is sufficient so wherever the Lord is working in your heart and your mind right now just spend time with the Lord ask him to reveal those places in your life that need healing Ask him to reveal those places in your life that the healing that he has provided is in the grace of God, not so much in the physical healing that you desire, but the grace of God itself. So whatever it is that the Lord is leaning on you about this morning, just spend time with him. And then after a few moments, we'll join together in song again. Lord, we thank you for the healing that we have in Christ. And so as we speak Jesus, we speak Jesus according to the scripture. Lord, we speak Jesus according to the one and only Son of God. Lord, I pray that we proclaim Him in every situation, in every way, because He is the Lord of life. Praise God, praise God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. As Jesus continues to share from Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter 4, he begins to share about the freedom that we have to, to live and to see. Think about the freedom to live in Christ. Jesus says in Luke 4, verse 18, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. The word captives means prisoners. All of us enter into this world as a prisoner. A prisoner to sin, a prisoner to self And yet in Christ, he has freed us from the bondage of sin. How so? Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. To know that our sins have been fully purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. All sins, past, present, and future are wrapped up in the finished work of Christ. So we live today in freedom, not based on a political agenda, not based on the country that we live in, but based on the finished work of Christ. That is the truth that we need to hold and anchor our lives in each and every day, that we are free to live. Jesus himself said in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A few verses later, in John 8, 36, he says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But here's the point, that I think Jesus is going to continue to work through the gospel, that we have a great enemy. Satan himself is living every day to try to rob you of the freedom that you have in life in Christ that's why Jesus says in John ten ten, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so we have an enemy that spends his days and with his demons, his minions, if you will, to rob us of the freedom that we have in Christ. And so it's not just a freedom to live, but it's a freedom to see. It's important that we see rightly the way that Christ would desire us to see. That's why he says in Luke 4, verse 18, he says, "...and recovering of sight to the blind." The word blind there refers to those who are deceived. And it's easy for us to look around the world that we live in and see deception everywhere, but the reality is that many of us as Christians, Christ followers, can't see the very deception that we are buying into ourselves. And so when Jesus spoke those words on that amazing day in the synagogue there in Luke chapter 4, quoting from Isaiah 61, we need to be reminded that every day in Christ, we are free not just to live, but we are free to see, to rightly see the gospel. Why? Because in 2 Corinthians 4:4, the scripture says, the God of this world, talking about Satan himself, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So when we think about everything that's happening in our world, all the hatred, all the the rioting, everything that is happening, all the hostility and the chaos and everything, it's important for us not to get sucked into that deception, to know that in Christ we are free to live and free to see. And yet, because our guard is let down, oftentimes, and oftentimes our guard is not the truth of the gospel, our guard is our emotions, and that's it, we find ourselves being deceived. And that's why Paul says that we are to have a daily renewal of the mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2, the scripture says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So based on the gospel itself, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern that it is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so as we transition to our next time of just personal time with the Lord, and you think about your life for just a moment. Are you living in freedom the way Christ has set you free? Are you seeing that life of freedom in your own life? Not based on the agenda of the world. See, we cannot be conformed to the world. A world that has a system of removing God out of everything. But we need to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Every day, the discerning part is that every day we are proving in life that God's will is perfect. It is acceptable, and it is good. So think about the two things, the two primary things that Jesus addresses time and time again about what robs us of life. Two things, legalism and license. Legalism tells us that God didn't do enough for me. I've got to add more to it, right? And right there, when we start to buy into that false idea Right there, we begin to lose out on living the life of freedom that Christ has given to us. The other one, license. License communicates the idea that God did not do enough in me. Therefore, I still have the same desires that I had in the past before knowing Christ as my Savior, the same desires that I have no power over anymore. And yet, in Christ, we may still have certain desires, temptations, if you will. But in Christ, we have new power. We have the resurrection power of Christ living in us. And so as we submit to him, and not to ourselves, but when we submit to him, we begin to learn and to live and to love the freedom that we have in Christ, the freedom to live, the freedom to see. So as we spend time, personal time with the Lord at this moment, as you ask the Lord to show you areas of your life where you're not living free, or maybe you're not seeing the freedom that you have in Christ. That you're, that you're turning towards the sin of legalism or the sin of license in your life. Or, or maybe it's not just you. Maybe because you bought into those lies that you're beginning to push that onto other people's lives around you. Specifically Christians. And you're, you're telling them that you need to do more than what Christ has done. Or you're telling them that Christ hasn't done enough. That's just the way you are. Continue to live the way that you're living. Listen, Christ has set us free free to live, free to see. So as you spend time with the Lord, this personal time with the Lord, just ask the Lord to open your eyes to your desperate need of him every day. God, expose in me the sin of my own heart. Expose in me where I have lost sight of living in the freedom that you have given to me. Lord, let me see that freedom again. Let me live in it. Let me love it. Let me cherish it because of the finished work of Christ. Let us spend time with the Lord. Lord, as we thank You for Your greatness, Lord, we do so thanking You for the life that we can have in Christ. And Lord, I pray that each and every day that we live on this earth, Lord, that You would allow us through Your Spirit and through Your Word and through the community of faith, see how precious that life is, to see Your goodness, to see Your glory. Lord, thank you again for the life that we have in Christ. Lord, let us see it each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As Jesus continues to share from the word of God in Isaiah, the next thing that he begins to share about is the fact that we have in Christ freedom to give love and to receive love. Think about the giving of love that Jesus displayed. On Luke 4, 18, he says that he came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The word oppressed here means those who are neglected. Think about the people that are neglected in life. Usually the people that are neglected in life, uh, they're, they're pushed to the side. They're ostracized. They're, they're the ones who aren't like the others, if you will. They're the ones that are the most vulnerable. The scripture would Call those the widows or the widowers, the orphans, those who live in poverty in many ways. And yet the scripture tells us time and time again that Jesus made it a habit as his ministry to spend time with those who are oppressed, those who are neglected, those who are pushed to the side. And it's a great, great reminder to us that when Jesus entered into this earth in the form of a baby, He's reminding us there that in this world he has come to us in the midst of the places that we are neglected and oppressed. You see, Jesus came to love the unlovable. In fact, I love what Jesus says in Matthew 9. He says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their own synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So not only did Jesus come to give love, but in Christ as his disciples, he's calling us to pray for the laborers, us as his disciples, to give love to those who are neglected, those who are oppressed, those who are pushed to the side. In other words, he has gifted us in such a way through his spirit to give love to the unlovable. But not only that, he has come so that we would be free to receive love. In Isaiah 61 verse two, the scripture says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance, of our God. Two important phrases there, to, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the year of Jubilee. If you go back to Leviticus 25, it talks about the year of Jubilee. It's something that happened every 50 years. And every 50 years, essentially, the, the slate was clean, right? And so if you were a slave because you were in debt to someone, that 50-year mark brought your freedom if for some reason you had to sell off some land to pay off something or to give off some land in order to settle something, that year 50, the year of Jubilee, that land was given back to you. Can you imagine at the 50-year mark that someone would knock on your door and say, your mortgage is paid for? The year of Jubilee is a picture of the beauty of salvation. That Jesus Christ has come to us to do what we cannot do on our own. To set us free from the wrath of God. To make us right with God, standing in the very righteousness of Christ. And so that year of Jubilee is an important year as it pictures the great salvation that we have in Christ. But it's also a reminder that this year of Jubilee won't last forever that's what the scripture talks about in the day of vengeance of our God and it's interesting because Jesus doesn't quote this in Luke 4 not because he didn't believe it but what he was reminding the people on that day and what he's reminding us today is that we live in many ways in a day of grace that God is showing his loving kindness to us every day And it is the patient kindness of the Lord, according to Romans, that leads us to a place of repentance. But we need to be reminded that that day will one day end. That Jesus will come again. But this time he's not coming, being born as a baby in a manger, but he is coming as the ultimate judge. And the only thing that makes us right before God is nothing that we bring to the table, but only what Jesus has brought to the table, and our faith in him. And so when we think about this giving and receiving of love, the question is, have you received the love of Christ? Don't be deceived. You don't have to get yourself right in order to receive it. You receive the love of Christ, and then he'll begin to work a work of grace in your life. And that's something that I think many of us need to hear today. The very weight that we're under today is this idea that we have to somehow prove ourselves to God first. That's the false teaching that Jesus was uh, fighting against during his earthly ministry. In fact, in Matthew 11, he says this. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The reality is it was the religious people of the day, the Pharisees, that were wanting to tie up a yoke of burden on the people's, around the people's necks, saying that you have to do this, this, and this, and this. And yet Jesus comes and says, come to me, receive me, receive my teaching of the gospel of grace, and there you will find rest for your soul. So the question is, have you received the grace of God today? Have you received the love of God? Have you, as a Christian, daily received that? Listen, every day the door is open for his grace. It's a table that is set before us every day. That's why the prophet Isaiah speaks in Isaiah 55 with this great invitation. He says, come everyone who thirst, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food, incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So as we spend time personally with the Lord this morning, when we think about the fact that we are free to, to give love and free to receive love, in order to give love, we first have to receive it. Have you received the love of Christ today? And as you have received the love of Christ, are you giving that to others? Are you giving the love of Christ to the unlovable? Are you truly speaking Jesus in every atmosphere that you're in? or Are you withholding it? Unlike Jesus, when you look at the crowds around, are you being welled up with compassion? Are you being welled up with criticism and hatred and apathy? And so this morning, let us be reminded that we have been freed in Christ to not only give love but to receive love so as you spend time with the lord this morning think about those truths that we are free to give love and free to receive love be honest with the lord lord we thank you by your grace you gave us tremendous love unconditional love and lord by your same grace you allowed us an opportunity to receive that love Lord, I pray that as we rest in the very love of Christ that you have for us, as we stand in that, Lord, that we will not only reflect that love to you primarily, but we will also show the love of Christ to those who are around us. Lord, thank you for preparing our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to transition to our time of celebrating the Lord's Supper together. I just want to say a few reminders. If you are on campus in the sanctuary and you have not picked up one of the elements of the Lord's Supper, uh, we have stations up at the front and uh, we have one in the back. Please make sure you have that. Uh, Also, you do not need to be a member of Charleston Baptist Church to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us, but you do need to know the Lord as your personal Savior. This is about the community of faith, and so we're going to celebrate it together. The scripture reminds us why we do it. Uh, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 28, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 33, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait. One another. Let us pray one last time. Lord, we are so thankful for this morning. Lord, thank you for allowing us an opportunity to remember, uh, to celebrate, and to examine our hearts before you and before one another. Lord, we thank you for the finished work of Christ. We thank you that we are free to be healed. Lord, that we are free to live and to see. And in Christ, we are free to uh, give love and to receive love. So, Lord, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, I pray that this would be such an important time and the life of the community of faith here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So to prepare for the bread, if you would, just push down on all the tabs, and that should lift up a clear tab. Go ahead and pull that clear tab, which I am having a little difficulty. There we go. Remember what God's word says. When we think about the bread, it represents the death of Jesus for his people. The scripture says, Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So together, let us take the bread. And then if you would, pull up on the final tab there and that'll expose the juice. The cup represents the new covenant in Christ, the blood of Christ, and the grace that we have in him. Not because of our works, but because of the finished work of Jesus. The scripture says, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us take the cup together. Up until this point, the majority of our time alone with the Lord has been simply that. It's been alone time. But we do want to take a moment because we're reminded at the Lord's Supper that this is about the community of faith, not just the individual believer. And so we want to have an opportunity where we can gather together in small groups just to pray together. And so as you look around at the people around you, I would encourage you to just gather with those around you and to pray together. Uh, In addition to that, we'll also have uh, people up front here standing and they'll be ready to pray with you. And so if you would uh, like to come up and and just pray, pray together with those who are up here. Uh, please do that as well. Uh, And so whatever the Lord is leaning on you, if it be praying together within our group, maybe with your family or some friends or a community of faith that's around you or coming forward and and praying with uh, someone that's up here, we just ask that you respond to the Lord. We'll do that for a few minutes and then we'll join together uh, back in song. So let us uh, join together in prayer. Let's celebrate the Lord together. Yes, amen. Yes. Thank you for joining with us at our worship service today, both on campus and those joining with us online. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to partner with you in your next step with the Lord. So if you have questions about who Jesus is, or maybe you already have a relationship with Christ, but maybe fellowship is struggling, and you just need some encouragement or some guidance in that, we'd love to connect with you. If you have questions about Charleston Baptist Church, or how to get engaged in life group or a place of ministry, please let us know. If you're on campus, stop by our next step area, which is our main gathering area. If you're joining with us online, please fill out one of the connection cards.